I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Elijah Brown. Elijah is a multifaceted individual with successful careers in both real estate and the military. Um, after earning a bachelor's degree in business from University of California, Southern California, Elijah began his real estate career as a bachelor as an analyst for Health Peak Properties, a S&P 500 REIT. Um, Elijah, you, you got a lot in there in your bio. I, I think it's going to be super inter- interesting conversation, but um, I, I want to let it, I let the listeners hear it from your words. So first, let me just say thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I really appreciate being on, Jason. It's uh, I've seen some of the uh, the lineup on your your podcast. You've had some some big names on there, so I'm definitely uh, honored to be kind of included um, in your in your uh, list of guests. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I I uh, I'm excited. I, I I've I've not uh, no favoritism. I know there are there are in in theory bigger names, but some of the some of the best stories, some of the best backgrounds, I, I feel like come from maybe some of the um, guests that are earlier in their journey. So I, I think it's just every it's it's a it's a great conversation to have with with anybody kind of in the industry. So um, with that being said, let's let's start. Let's uh, let's hear your background, and we'll kind of dive in wherever it goes. Yeah, I um, actually started off back in, when I was still in college. And I was really into uh, stocks and trading stocks and uh, foreign currencies as well. And uh, I had an internship at a hedge fund and I realized very quickly that I was not interested in that space, that, um, you know, the the secondary markets were a little uh, too risky and too stressful for me. And so, uh, you know, I, I needed to do a pivot and I went down this YouTube rabbit hole of real estate and, uh, watched every video I could from uh, Chris Crone and Graham Stephan, Phil Pustajovsky, Bigger Pockets, Brandon, I know it was on your your show. Um, and I fell in love with the idea and realized, wow, this is probably a much better uh, way to spend my time. And so um, while I was still a junior in college, I decided that I was going to buy my first rental property, just a, a single family house but I didn't have nearly enough cash. I had saved up about $20,000 and uh, from working three three part-time jobs while I was in school. And I had that money, but I needed like 50 to get a house uh, for the down payment and the closing costs and renovations. So I gave my best friend and my cousin a call and, and pitched them this wild idea of uh, doing our first house together and seeing if it works. And uh they agreed to do it. So um, we went out and and bought our first $150,000 house in in Orlando, Florida. And uh, we put a tenant in it. And and that was that was it It wasn't as smooth as that there were a lot of uh, bumps in that process, including me having to go to, to military training in the middle of closing and signing over power of attorney and, and having to sneak 
into a portage on in the middle of the night in the woods and uh, check my emails and emergency sign some stuff. So it was definitely <laughs> a, a, a wild situation. But um, overall, I really loved the process. And, uh, you know, we, we did make money on that first property, although we shouldn't have. Uh, so we got we got lucky with a good market on that one. Um, but I loved the process. And I ended up doing uh, three more of those. And then um, I got a job. So after graduating from the University of Southern California, um, I actually got a job at a real estate investment trust. And uh, they're one of the, the top healthcare uh, REITs that are, that are out there. They have a lot of assets under management. And I figured working there would give me uh, some of the skills that I would need to pursue my, my real estate investing journey on, on my own. And that was definitely the case. Uh, I spent four years there um, learning a lot about modeling and deal analysis and pitching uh, to, to the investment committee and stuff like that. And just got a really good understanding for how deals work and the different cash flows that are part of those deals. And so uh, I spent a lot of time building Excel models, learning about deal structure and cash flows. And then uh, on nights and weekends, I spent like almost every spare hour of my time putting small multifamily deals together. Um, while I was there, one of my mentors uh, told me that if I ever wanted to scale, I needed to go into multifamily. And uh, I understood all the the benefits and everything involved. And I really wanted to uh, grow an empire. And so I got my first sixplex with the help of 10 friends from work and a few others, uh, each putting in like $5,000. <laughs> and uh, it was, again, probably one of the most stressful closings ever. I had to uh, literally go and meet with the seller at some uh, some hotel and beg him to like seller finance me $20,000 just to be able to close the transaction. And um, we actually made a lot of money on that one. That was good. That was like a 60% 60, 60 IRR. Um, we actually sold it just this last year. But um, so we did that. And then I loved that process, um, you know, especially the part about um, working alongside partners to go after something bigger. And so then I just kept doing that over and over and over again for the four years while I was still an employee. And then um, just this past year, you know, my portfolio, um, including both uh, GP interests, so actively managed and LP, which is just deals that I've invested my own cash into into other people's deals, I'm up to 850 units. And the total value of that portfolio is a little over 100 million. And that's cool. Um, you know, I'm 26 years old, and uh, I don't know many other people who have been able to acquire that many units so fast. And so, you know, I realized that my my expenses are kind of taken care of with the income that's coming in and the promote fees that I'm earning on the back end of these deals. And so, um, you know, I decided to give it a shot, just running it on my own and uh, trying to grow this company as large as I can. And so that kind of brings me to where I am now. And I'm going after much bigger deals. Um, and I'm trying to focus on what I'm really good at, which is deal analysis and capital raising. So I don't necessarily enjoy so much the asset management or being in the weeds of the property. Um, 
but I do really enjoy networking with my investors, communicating with them, and also uh, analyzing opportunities. And so I'm trying to focus on bringing those skill sets into larger deals now, uh, specifically in the Phoenix market. So. Very nice. Very nice. I mean, it. it I get uh, I get really fired up when I hear about you know, sort of young people that are, you know, starting in real estate at, at such a young age, you know, you were, you were thinking about this in college and started, you know, actually started doing something with it in college. And it's like, I love it because you know, there's nothing more powerful than time in terms of building your wealth. And it's like, you, you start at that young age, you've already, you've already done a ton, you've already accomplished a ton but you have so much time ahead of you, which is amazing to, to allow that to grow. So you can just kind of continue that process. You don't necessarily have to worry about like, you know, that, that you don't have enough time to, to kind of get there. So I think it's, it's a really important thing for, for young people listening to, to realize, like, if you take, take some steps, take advantage of, what's going on earlier on in your life with in terms of investing in yourself and in um in real estate or, or investing in anything really but just but just getting starting started earlier i think um it's a really great you know sort of picture that you paint there elijah that of of, of where you're at at such a young age so so good for you congratulations Appreciate um, it. Thank you. <clears throat> so in in within your portfolio it sounds like you did, you know, sort of a lot of these smaller multifamilies and now you're, you're moving on to larger multifamily. What, at what phase in that process are you at right now? Have you closed any, like what, what's your, maybe what's your biggest deal or tell, tell us about kind of where you're at with that process. Yeah, sure. So I've actually been part of a few mid-sized transactions already, and then um, just this week we're closing on our first uh, hundred-plus deal. Um, but and something important to know is that um, you know I'm not doing this by myself. Um, you know I've got people that I work with, and I'm almost always coming in, um, you know, with partners as co-GPs into these deals um, because I you know I don't have. 10 or $20 million to sign on the loan. Um, you know, I don't have the ability to raise 10 or $20 million, but what I can do is valuable and sponsors understand that. And so when I'm going into these much bigger deals, I'm bringing a certain value to that deal in exchange for my sponsor shares in that deal. And, and that is really what's allowing me to go into these bigger deals. Whereas with like the five to 20 unit realm, I was doing that, you know, myself signing on the loans, taking on all the work, raising all the money for that. Um, but now that I'm trying to scale, um, I really need to um, essentially work with other people to, to get that done. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, we've, We've closed on uh, now uh, a large property, and so I've got one of those as of now. And then last year, we we bought a few mid-sized properties as well. Mm -hmm. And in that, you know, I think it's important also for people to understand, like, like there's there's no sort of wrong way to be in real estate, right? And you're, as you said, with the smaller ones, you're doing a lot of it yourself, but you're having uh, presumably a larger piece of the ownership, right? So it's like mm -hmm. people talk a lot about scale. We do these bigger and bigger deals, but, but yeah, most of the time, especially, you know, kind of early on in the process, you're getting a smaller portion 
of those large deals than you might on the smaller deals. It just, it, but it's a process and, you know, sort of work your way through that. And it's, it's honestly hard to say, like, there's, there's pros and cons to both, right? There's pros and cons to having smaller deals that are part, I, I personally would like to have kind of both in my portfolio. I'd like to have yeah. some smaller deals that I own myself or with, you know, a couple friends or a couple family members. Um, I'd like to have that because those are the type of deals in my mind that you might decide to to keep for a long time, right? And so those those can become your your legacy properties. Whereas a lot of times in the syndication model, we're looking at anywhere from like a three to seven year hold time. And so th- that's kind of a, a you know, a turnover type of process, which there are, there are reasons for both. So um, it's great. It's great to, to see kind of what It's interesting you're... on the smaller properties, like I'm actually making more money on those. Right. Um, like I, I own the majority of the sponsor shares on those deals. And so, you know, when the, the promote payment comes at the end or, you know, the, the acquisition fee, the asset management fees, like I get to keep most of that. And for a lot of people, like I would recommend just staying within that niche. You know, there's not a lot of uh, private equity and institutional capital doing smaller deals like that. Um, you know, it's it's a good space to be in, uh, but, you know, there's limitations. You can't scale as much. Um, and then, you know, it, the way that I'm doing it is eventually, you know, I will be in a position where I can have a lot more of that deal. And then when the promote comes and it's, you know, $50 million, then it has been worth it at that point. Um, so it's kind of a much longer game, um, but it's yeah. it's one that I think will pay yeah. off and is why I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's there's a lot of reasons. And as you said, it's a, it's the long game, right? It, it's It's so that, you know, down the road, you are the person that can sign on that loan, both from an right. experience and a liquidity and a net worth standpoint. You are the the person who, uh, you know, whatever whatever role it is you decide to, you know, sort of really uh, take hold of within the process. You get you get really be front and center on that, and and maybe you reach the point where instead of partnering, you're hiring people to fill the the gaps. So there, there's a lot of different ways to take it, but ultimately everything you're doing is just moving moving the needle towards you know bigger success um and you mentioned that you seem to like uh you know capital raising and then in is finding deals or sort of is that is that your uh wheelhouse what 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 are you really focused on yeah so you know having had the, the corporate real estate experience um as you know as an analyst um you know I I got good at modeling cash flows. And so like, I know what to look for and how to conceptualize a deal, um, you know, quantitatively. And so, um, you know, when I get an offering memorandum sent to me from a broker, from someone else, or if I, you know, I'm reviewing someone else's syndication deal, you know, I can dive very deep into the financials and the Excel model and I can poke holes all over it and stuff. And so that's, you know, one of the, one of the skill sets that I have. And so, um, you know, that, that is, that is one of the values that I can bring, but yeah. Um, also raising money. So, uh, and, and I think that raising capital is, uh, 
in, in a way the best job to have on the team, uh, at least for me, if, if you can be like personable and uh, be good at networking and talking to people, um, it's one of the most rewarding things, not just from the relationships that you're building, um, but also financially. So you're doing, you know, a lot of work up front for two or three weeks uh, to raise that capital and make those relationships. Um, but then once, once the deal closes, it's relatively hands off. It's, 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 kind of like passive but you're still an active manager in the deal and so you know you're earning your your shares in the deal um, from work that you do up front and I really like that concept um, and it's the, the same with uh, deal sourcing and and underwriting as well you know you're doing a lot of upfront work in the deal um, to put these you know opportunities in place and to establish the systems and then you know the team takes over from there and it's similar to you know uh, starting up or running a business. Um, you know, you want to do all of the really, you know, hard work to, to establish the opportunity and to vet it and put it together. And then you're going to hire the team and train the team to then manage things. So you can go find better opportunities and more opportunities down the road. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, a lot of the guests have had, you know, everybody has their, their superpower, their strength within the process when we're talking about syndicating. And um, I think being able to being able to raise capital is <laughs> it's funny that you say it's the easiest. Uh, I And I see why you say that in the sense that a lot of that is upfront, but but depending on. Yeah, it's not I easy. Like, it. like depending yeah. <laughs> on your person. Right, exactly. And that, that's what I love about like this whole team approach is it's like it's not easy to me. It's it's probably to me, the hardest part of, of all of it. Like I, I, in fact, enjoy asset management. I, I like, sure. you know, sort of putting the business plan in place. Uh, I even like acquisitions, but, but I find capital raising to be, I think it's super rewarding and it's cool when you're able to um, like put these opportunities out to investors and um, you, you, you talk to someone who uh, really understands and, and wants to be, it's nice to bring them into that world but I think it's it's a it's a kind of a high pressure thing during that you know close time, right? You've got to raise a certain yeah. amount of money oh, yeah. in a short period of time. So there's definitely, I think, uh, personality types or what, whatever you want to call it. You know, just people that that gravitate towards that. I, I know there's a lot of people in the space that just really like capital raising, and I'm like, thank you, more power to you. That's that, that's awesome. That those are the people that I need to partner with. That kind of thing. So. What do you, what do you find about that? I mean, talk about capital raising and what it, what it, why you enjoy it, why you think that's, yeah. you know, kind of your superpower. And and I know um, it, it, if, uh, well, I'll leave it at that question. I, I'll have follow-up sure. questions, but yeah, tell, tell me why you, you enjoy it and think that's, you know, kind of your, your spot. I think being the guy that, understands the deal the most from having that underwriting and analysis background. Uh, talking about the deal comes very naturally to me. Um, you know, I, I don't need to read from a, a deck or slides because I know every single number and fact about that deal. Um, and so talking about it with, you know, prospective investors um, is is not so much a chore or a burden. It's it's just natural. It comes out as just a conversation that I can discuss. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's becoming 
it's becoming rare that sponsors in this in this space these days like truly understand what they're selling to investors. Um, I've just found that a, a lot of people they uh, you know they're, they're not underwriting experts and so they don't really comprehend all the cash flows that are coming in and out of the deal. And that translates over to how they're explaining the investment and answering questions with their investors. And, um, you know, and I know this was one of the the topics that we were going to uh, kind of dive into, but um, I think a lot of mentorship and teaching programs and courses have sprung up over the last few years, um, which is awesome. But the students who go through these programs, they they do the initial training, and then I don't think they they then fully understand what's going on in these deals enough to be able to have, you know, a, a, a very logical conversation and answer very complex questions about the deal, like explaining how a preferred return works, like same simple to me, but the concept of trying to explain that is 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 not simple and a lot of people have a hard time understanding how it works and there's different types of preferred returns stuff like that and so um for me it just uh it comes easily as as the underwriting guy as the deal analysis guy and i think that is what contributes to me enjoying it more um the other part of it is that when I get someone to say yes, um, I know that I just allocated their capital into a great opportunity and they'll be able to reap the rewards from that later. And so I, I feel really good about that. Um, and it's also just really nice, um, you know, when it starts clicking at first, it's really hard. But then, you know, once you get, you know, three or four emails in a row saying, sure, I'll put 100,000 in that deal, I'll put 100. It it feels really good. I really like that. Um, and then, you know, just those investors, for me, my investors, um, they're not just, you know, contacts that I've made throughout the process. Like I actually consider them to be friends um, and some of them are family. And so I like the process of, um, you know, meeting with them, calling them, establishing deeper relationships with them and ultimately helping them, uh, you know, do what I've done with investing in real estate. So, Yeah, no, uh, those are, those are great points. And I think one of the things, you know, you talked about your, your, you know, background as an analyst and, and that you really know the numbers. And it's it's not, I find, tell me if you, you disagree, I, I find that most investors, they don't, they don't actually know all the, like if you're talking to maybe, a, you know, family offices and things like that, like at a, at a higher level, but but most of your, your sort of family, friends, retail investors, they may not, they may not understand all the numbers, but you've got to be able to Put it out to them in a way that they can understand it at 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 least a base level. They know what they're getting themselves into and feel comfortable with it. And so it's it's almost like a, a ability to translate, right? Like you've yep. got this complex yeah. set of numbers and spreadsheets and analytics, and you've got to sort of bring that to their to them in a way that that's easily digestible, and then be able to answer their answer their questions that they might have related to that. So it's I, just like being like an educator, a professor, yeah. a teacher, like you have to know the material so well that you can dumb it down to like a third grade level. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that the investors are dumb. It's just that that's like a lot of people may not never have 
heard of the no. syndication or may not have ever right. been involved in something like that. So you've got to you've got to got to be able to give it to them in in a in a format that is just kind of uh, easier for them to, to comprehend yeah. in, a, in a short period of time. Like, sure, maybe if you had six months or a year to, to teach them all the ins and outs of everything, great. But, um, and I, I think that your, your, you know, sort of two skills, the, the underwriting, the anal analytics, and then capital raising, mm -hmm. they, they really do go together well um, in terms of what that, you know, being able to, to make that translation, because you do know it, at such a high level, but if you can, you know, kind of then bring that down into into basic pieces, it, it helps a lot for people's understanding. Yeah, the the reality is is that we are we are offering uh, investment advice to people who may have never, uh, you know, bought a rental property before, or uh, the only thing they know is putting their money into the S and P five hundred through their four hundred one k accounts. Like it's. It's a it not a lot of people understand the mechanics of how a multifamily property works in terms of the cash flows. Um, and then to add another layer of you know sponsor compensation on top of that and the mechanics of investing in a fund structure, um, it can it can be very complicated. And you know, so I'd say like 90% of the job of capital raising is education. You first need to help the investors to understand what the opportunity is and how it works uh, before you can even, you know, ask them, are you comfortable enough with these risks and with these rates of return to invest in this deal? And so, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of newer investors um, are, you know, they're being misled or they're just investing blindly and they don't truly understand what they are investing in. And I think it's, it's pretty dangerous. And I think we're going to see in this market downturn right now, we're going to see a lot of pissed off um, LPs um, who are going to sound the alarms and, and, you know, if they get a capital call or uh, if distribution stop, they're not going to understand why or what that means for the deal. And uh, these sponsors, I think uh, some of them will be in, in trouble. So. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very important to educate and communicate, you know, sort of openly and clearly with the investors. It, it, it's not that, you know, think things are going to happen. Things we're going to, we have we are experiencing a market downturn, like things are going to happen like that. It's just having the ability to, again, communicate that, that, hey, may may not always go perfect, but we're going to, we're going to work through this and this is how and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, super important to keep those, those lines of communication open. I, I, I love that. Um, Elijah, let me, let me switch gears here. I want to ask you the questions that I ask every sure. guest. Um, and, Sorry, the dog's barking. <laughs> oh, don't. Don't worry about it. I, uh, well, my dog's not out here, but uh, it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't shock me to hear him. Um, we have, so as far as uh, the first question, you know, based on the name of the show being know your why. Um, so what is your why? What, what drives you? Um, you know, you're, you're a young guy, you've got, uh, you've done a lot in a short period of time. So um, what, what keeps driving you towards bigger and bigger success? Um, there's, there's three main things. Um, and, and the first one is that I have the the curse of the entrepreneur. And I'll, I'll explain that. It's kind of like how, why Elon Musk is sleeping on the floor of the factory. Um, you know, we, we are just constantly active and we can't, our brains can't rest. And so I'll be 
on vacation or at the beach or something and still thinking scheming in my brain um, about deals and so it's it's the process of the deal getting the deal um that i really love i'm a deal junkie so that's number one um the second thing is uh, of course what every everybody wants which is um you know to have their time back so i love to travel um i actually travel uh, full-time out of a converted Mercedes Sprinter van with my girlfriend. And so um, I'd like to have more travel experiences in my life and then, you know, ultimately be able to be there for my, my kids whenever uh, they need it when I have, when I have kids and uh, just, you know, be available for my family. So that's, uh, you know, a very important part as well. And you can, you can only do that once you've replaced all your expenses with, with passive income. Um, so that's, that's a big reason. The third thing though, um, is I really want to do venture capital one day. So I want to, you know, invest either, you know, angel invest or, you know, be an active investor in, uh, cool companies, cool new companies that, um, I think will do well. I used to watch a lot of shark tank and I just always thought it was really cool. And, uh, I just want to be part of some, some cool opportunities. Um, and then eventually, uh, later on in life, and I'm still, I, I feel like I'm still a little young to understand what this, this fully is, but I would like to do some type of, um, you know, making the world better type of action once I've accumulated, uh, some, some wealth. So. Awesome. I mean, that's all obviously very, uh, admirable and and you know i think look forward forward looking uh in terms of you know sort of these these ideas it's funny that funny that you mentioned shark tank and we talked talked about you know sort of investors knowing what they're pitching and mm -hmm. it, it i i also like shark tank it's, it's a really it's a pretty cool show and i think the the funny thing is is that my view of shark tank when i used to watch it before i started um, syndicating and having conversations with investors and and now has really changed in terms of you know some of these people I'm like did you did you practice this did you know <laughs> it's kind of like right. and, and it yeah. goes back to what you were talking about in terms of just knowing what you're what you're saying what you want to yep. present to those investors it's like sometimes there's there's preparation and there's there's knowledge that goes into you know kind of having yeah. that that pitch um you're, you're trying to solve problems and provide opportunities not just not just sell so coming out there in, the, in the corporate environment um where, where i i came from it's like if you don't know your numbers cold and can speak you know intelligently about them then you know you screwed up and you might get fired it's like right. yeah. yeah yeah no it's it's a it's a it's I don't know. I know it's a, you know, sort of a bit of a reality show, but I, but I think that there's, there's a lot of yeah. uh, actual valuable lessons in there. And I think and we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. They just, yeah. uh, they show us the, uh, the, the, the most important cuts. Yeah. Yeah. But they do, you know, people that don't know their numbers, it, it comes up time and time again. Same thing with the, uh, I don't think it's a show anymore, but I watched the, the profit with Marcus Malone yeah. or Marcus Limonis. And, and it's like, yeah. he goes into these businesses and immediately, if they don't know their numbers, it's like, nah, well, never mind. You know, it's just kind of you got to know what's happening. So it's uh, it, it it speaks to what is important in in business um, yeah. and with with real estate syndication being a business. Um, you immediately lose credibility as soon as you know someone asks you a question that you can't 
answer you don't you know have some type of response to and I think like you know for me if I'm being pitched and like I ask a question as soon as that person like kind of like stutters or like doesn't necessarily know or gets a number wrong or something I'm just like I've almost written that person off as in like like wow you don't know the numbers how can I trust you with my money like so I think yeah it's important yeah no it's important stuff um Second question for you, Elijah. And, yeah. um, you can't use you can't use living in a van. That's not you've already, you've already <laughs> given that one away. But okay. um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, tell us something about yourself that that isn't common knowledge, um, okay. special skill or a hobby or something like that. But but yeah, we'll, we'll, you've already given away van, so you have to come up with a new one. Okay. <laughs> this this one was common knowledge 10 years ago, but certainly not in uh, the multifamily circles. Um, so I used to play drums professionally in a band. I actually cool. dropped out of high school to do that for a few years, uh, which was really cool. We rode around in a van and uh, played at dive bars and nice. it was slept in trucker stops and it was, it was <laughs> a fun time, but yeah, I did that. Um, what else? So my, landlord where I was renting an apartment uh, a few years ago did not appreciate me having uh, even electronic drums in 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 the unit because I would bang them and the person uh, below me would get really upset so I uh, recently made the transition to guitar and now uh, occasionally I'll write a, a comedy country music song um, that's about you know a, a deal that I've done or a person that I've worked with um, and you, you know you might get one but <laughs> that's awesome. I wish I had my guitar with me I would have uh, done it <laughs> Yes, play one for us. We'll, we'll get you right. back on and you can uh you can yeah. play something for us in the future um is yeah. this is this a band that i would know about that you were to play drums for any, any no 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 definitely not it's like one of, one of those like like unknown boy bands that went around and we played for like 500 people at a time or something like that in a bar you know it's like <laughs> still I, we, we weren't selling out madison square garden or anything like that yeah. I mean, I I was in a band at, at a very small, even even smaller level than that. I just I just loved it. I just love music. So, oh, cool. um, it's to me that's like a just a, a super fun experience to have had. So, um, good for you. I can't wait to settle down one day and start my dad band. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, dad band, and then you bring your kids into yeah. it. You just yeah, right. it'll be uh that that music. Well, we we've this is a, a funny story that I actually don't think I've talked about this on the on the podcast at all, but. So we have a we have a piano. Lots of people have a piano. Nobody in my house actually knows how to play the piano. I got it um, shortly after my son was born. I got this notification that uh, a um, uh, one of the local universities was selling from their uh, music program. They had a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, pianos that they were selling, and they uh, it went to charity. The the, the proceeds mm-hmm. went to charity, and I was like. Hey, I've always wanted a piano and wanted to learn how to play piano. Also, I have a son that we could someday learn how. So yeah. <laughs> we have a piano instead of a dining room table. We don't have a particularly big house. <laughs> we live in Los Angeles, so it, yeah. it's it's a source of uh, source of uh, a little bit of soreness with my wife because she would like to have a dining room table. She's like, nobody plays this, but every once in a while now we have two kids and they'll sit yeah. up there and they'll they'll bang away on the keys. And I'm like. Someday, <laughs> this is going to be important that they they what have music in their lives. We are in it's called Atwater Village. It's like the northeast corner of Los Angeles, okay. right right across cool. from Griffith Park. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I lived in LA for a while because I was going to school, and I ended up going to Orange County to work. But uh, familiar with the area a little bit. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a uh, I, I love it. I mean, it's really nice. And I mean, Southern California is just always always nice weather. Yeah. It's basically never not sunny. Right. Um, anyway, uh, that's a, a, a tangent. But uh, but yeah, I I uh, I too enjoy music very much. So cool. um, pretty cool. Um, when people hear this, Elijah, and they want to reach out to you, what's what's the best way? Uh, right now, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So uh, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Elijah W. Brown. That's or just Google uh, LinkedIn, my name. Um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me right now. I usually post an article uh, once a week, and I try to do at least one other post a week as well. Okay, perfect. We'll get that in the show notes for people. Um, final piece of advice for you, and in, in you're young enough to maybe um, have some <laughs> recent experience with this, but uh, what would you tell people who are getting started, right? They want to, they, they want to get into real estate to hear this. They're inspired by your story. Um, what would you tell them about, about getting started? Yeah. I'd say first do a lot of learning. So read the books, uh, watch the podcasts, and then get a job at a real estate company. Like work for someone else for two years, uh, maybe, you know, a company that's doing what you want, whether that's multifamily or retail office, um, and, and work in, I'd say, try to get a job in their investments team. It's the acquisitions department and learn how deals are done. Um, you know, go through the process of underwriting deals and presenting them to the committee, um, and learn what you have to do. And then, uh, I'd say on nights and weekends, like what I did, focus on um, starting some type of side hustle where you can make significant amounts of income. Um, you know, I, I'm often talking about like rich dad, poor dad. And, you know, one of the first steps, um, you know, when you go to play the cash flow game is, you know, let's first like make a bag. Uh, let's first get to our first hundred thousand dollars or whatever, do something, you know, that might be risky to get your first pool of capital um, because then you can start investing it passively or doing some, something uh, a bit bigger with it. So I'd say, you know, definitely get a job working for a real estate company so you can learn everything you need to do. And then, um, you know, and this goes for any industry. Um, if you want to start a business doing something, it's not a bad idea to go work for a company that is doing it already. And then while you're there, um, start a side hustle and figure out a way to make a lot of income um, so that you can leave that job and do it full time. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, getting a job with, you know, so someone who's doing is, I think so many people, you know, they see, and, and maybe it's maybe it's somewhat our fault uh, in the sense that, you know, people on social media tend to put out like the highlight reel and how I got, you know, so successful so quickly or so whatever it was, I left my job and so much, you know, so people want to get into real estate and then instantly be rich and instantly not have a job and all of that. But it, it kind of really doesn't work that way. Like, I'm sure there are people that get super lucky or or people that that just I don't know are outside the norm, but but generally most of us it's it's a slow process, um, but a way to speed up that learning process is go work for someone else, go go do that job and 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 do more than that job, right? Get in there, not not just you know yes the side hustle to make more cash, but like at that job you may not you know you're not going to come in and be the CEO, like get in there as an assistant or whatever the case may be, but get yourself involved in everything so you can learn yeah. all of it and, and essentially, you know, sort of, um, paid education. So, uh, you're not working for the money. You're working to learn something so that you can make a lot of money later. Yeah. 
yeah, you got you got to remember this. This is a, a you know sort of get rich slow, uh, but but get rich for sure. So it's just being being a little bit patient and putting in the work. So uh, I love that. Um, Elijah, thanks for coming on today. Uh, been really great talking to you. I, I think um, your story will inspire a lot of people and um, there's a lot to learn there. So, so thank you so much for taking the time out. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, and folks listening, um, I know you're gonna love this episode. Please like, rate and review um, so we can get more great guests like Elijah. All right, have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.